I needed to not skate by for once in my life, and they didn't let me. At the end of the day, if you know that you don't feel good about the job, you got to be able to leave that behind. They just kept asking me to come back, and I truly love Milwaukee and Southeast Wisconsin. It's always great to be at WTMJ. This is WTMJ Conversations. Welcome to WTMJ Conversations. I'm your host, Libby Collins. Jay Sorgi was part of the sports team here at WTMJ for over 20 years. And during those years, very few people were aware of his dream. It was staging an Olympic Games right here in Milwaukee. Well, could it ever occur? Or will it forever be a fantasy? Jay writes about it in his new book, Greater Than the Games. And Jay, I have to ask you, first of all, because you were in sports for so many years. From the time you were a little guy, was that always a passion for you? I've loved the Olympic Games ever since they came to America in 1984 in Los Angeles. I was transfixed by them. My eyeballs were on every single day on that television, watching Jim McKay's coverage and like hearing Keith Jackson doing basketball and Al Michaels calling the track and field, watching Carl Lewis sprinting down the track of the Coliseum. And I fell in love with the games. And you know that when you're a kid, you come up with these ridiculous dreams of something you'd love to do. Yeah, let's do this in our hometown. Why not? Why not? So just came up with a pretend plan and stuck it into the file cabinet for most of my life, if you will. And it pulled it back out in college for a college project and stuck it back. Then the dream came back and it's incredible. Let's go back to when you were watching those games back mm-hmm. in 1984. How old were you then? I was glub glub years old. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in my 40s, so I'll just put it that way. But, okay. So you were, um, you were pretty was, young then. Exactly. All right. And... Why were you fascinated by it? I mean, aside from the Jim McKay and the sports and everything, but I mean, what was your life like at that time that you so immersed yourself in those first Olympics? I had an absolutely loving family, a fantastic family in so many different ways, but it was a family that had a lot of brokenness going on. A dad that had left that I never really had a chance to get to know or get to see, and a mom who did incredible work to try and keep our family together, the four of us, And it was a lot of hard living in a lot of ways, economically, as well as just interpersonally, because when you've got a lot of demons, when you have a lot of wounds, it's sometimes hard to be able to manage all that and, well, try and raise four kids while you're doing it. Not easy. So I had a lot of time to dream, a lot of time to sort of enter my own world. Sports was the thing that I had gravitated to. I was growing up during the time of the 1982 Brewers, The Packers had like Lynn Dickey and James Lofton and John Jefferson. Sports was my sort of refuge in a lot of ways. The Bucks were great. Marquette basketball with Hank Raymond's. It was what I dived into, put my energy towards. That was something that was positive that I loved. So when the Olympic Games happened, it's like, wait a minute. All these different events going on in one city and the whole world shows up? That's cool. So then you started to think... Why not here? When you're eight years old, you don't know all the ins and outs of what it takes. When you're in your 20s and you're doing a college project, you don't necessarily know everything, but you get a little bit better detail, specifically when you're taking sports marketing at Marquette University, as I was doing. Then it really got big in 2012, and it was one Wall Street Journal article, Libby, that came out. A writer named Sarah Germano, who's now with the Financial Times, 
she came out with a sort of tongue-in-cheek article, but with a lot of validity to her points, saying that the next host of the Summer Olympics in the United States should be Milwaukee. Now, we all know Los Angeles got 2028, but that bid had not been delved out yet by the International Olympic Committee. So I'm like, wait a second. Let's pull out the old college project. Let's compare what happened in 1996 in Atlanta to what's needed now in 2012 with the London Games, all the different sports, all the different logistical pieces that are necessary in terms of housing, transportation, all the things that you need. Yes, there's some things that Milwaukee would have to develop by far, but it's not necessarily impossible. And it's like, wait a minute, is this real? Combine everything that you know in terms of the sports world with a dream you have that if it's done right could be a game changer for a city. And if it's very well done with right intention and right application, it could heal a lot of wounds in the city if it's done right. Of course you think about it. Of course you test it and see can this be done? So what did you do? Where did you start? Well, there's someone who walked through the building a lot back in 2012, a guy by the name of Eric Paulson, great connector of people here in Milwaukee, great business mind. He was involved with a lot of the business community, the political community. He could open up a lot of doors within the city. And I showed him this plan and this idea. And he's like, dude, I can't believe I'm telling you this. You've got something here. He saw that there was a very intricate weaving of the things that it could take to pull this off when you match Milwaukee, Madison, Green Bay, and a little bit of help from Chicago, that it's not impossible. There actually may be a there there if the right things line up the right way. This needs to be discerned. And so we then went about and held a number of different brainstorming and discernment sessions with business and civic leaders throughout the area. And you're talking everyone from WTMJ's own Tracy Johnson to great startup leaders like Matt Cordio and Katie Felton here in the Milwaukee community, Vivian King of all people from TMJ four years ago, who's a very prominent leader now in the business community here in Milwaukee and an author herself. She was part of it. Number of people in various areas came on board to just, what can we do? The idea being, it's not about saying, let's get the games. It's let's discern what getting the games would be. If everything lines up, we do it. If it doesn't, there's a whole lot we can learn about this community, as well as about the Olympic Games themselves and what needs to be fixed. But a whole lot about Milwaukee and Wisconsin that might be able to be shared in a way that could make a difference down the road in some fashion. Share the wisdom. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. I mean, you're talking holding events in 39 different places, 34 in Wisconsin, 5 in Chicago. Jay Sorgi, whose book is Greater Than the Games, talks about what happened at these preliminary planning meetings that were held throughout the city. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. Welcome back. I'm Libby Collins. We're talking with Jay Sorgi. His book is called Greater Than the Games. Were these meetings documented? I mean, in other words, did you sit down and make outlines after every meeting of what was discussed and what, I guess, the playbook would be? Absolutely. And it's everything from what the venue matrix would be. I mean, you're talking holding events in 39 different places, 34 in Wisconsin, five in Chicago, 25 of them in Milwaukee County. And only two of them would need to actually have permanent seats to be constructed. You know, those are some of the biggest that you would need. And then you ask the question, okay, what are the legacies that you would need to put in? 
in order for it to be something that's not a white elephant like we've seen so often in the Olympic Games. But it's also asking the questions of, okay, can you build the real estate that's necessary to make up for the lack of hotels? And is there a demand for that real estate afterward? And everything initially that we found was saying, it's not out of the question. It's not a definite yes, but it's not out of the question, especially with the real estate that was available at the time that we could have developed this entire plan with for the newer venues. There are a lot of pop-up venues that you put up and then take down, sell the seats to high schools and colleges, as well as what already exists in Milwaukee, which is a lot more than what people think. But then it's, okay, how do you fix the civic ills? How do you make sure that so often a gains doesn't become a negative for a community with everything from displacement to issues with police and security to the ridiculous costs that sometimes show up with the Olympic Games and how the IOC runs them, what changes need to be made there. We documented all that, and then we went out and tested it. I mean, we talked to people like Billy Payne, the head of the 1996 Olympics. I'm going to mainly keep private what we said in that discussion, but the gist of it was keep going with this. You've got something. It's going to do good for your community. We had to talk with Packers executives, and shockingly, they didn't say no to a plan that would have a lot of involvement where the Packers would be connected to it and hopefully benefit from it in a whole lot of different ways. You get the Packers on board, you got a shot at it. Geographically, what places were you looking at? You mentioned the Packers. I would assume that Lambeau Field would be a destination for something like this. Where else were you with, looking? With a little bit of a renovation to Lambeau Field in terms of the seating, because you have to expand the field for soccer in terms of FIFA requirements. Yes, Lambeau Field. You're talking 15 different sports that would be held between Pfizer Forum and what's now called the Baird Center in the arenas that are in that complex, the Al McGuire Center at Marquette University, as well as what Marquette was going to be developing in the land that's now going to be the home of USL soccer. It's now the Iron District. It was going to be the Marquette Athletic Performance and Research Center where you could hold events. You could hold 15 different sports just in that area of downtown Milwaukee. You'd be talking beach volleyball, Lakeshore State Park, one of those kind of pop-up venues, right by Summerfest as an example. And you'd be talking State Fair Park, hosting a number of sports. You turn around the State Fair Park racetrack, which didn't have much going on at the time, and you could be the home of equestrian events, action sports, like sport climbing, skateboarding, things like that. You involved Madison. They were going to host the road cycling for the Chicago 2016 Olympics that were planned. You use that plan. Camp Randall hosts soccer. You have three stadiums in Chicago that host soccer. You have baseball semifinals and preliminaries at Wrigley Field in Chicago, but you hold the finals at the home of the Milwaukee Brewers, that great roof stadium that we all love to go to. That also could have held gymnastics. And then the new venues, which would have been in the Milwaukee Inner Harbor area, that's where you have your track and field stadium. That's where you have your swimming complex. That's also where you have your athletes village and the press village and the Olympic dignitary village. There was a thousand acres that was pretty much open at the time. It's now developed and it's developed wonderfully with what the Harbor district is doing, but you got a lot that was there at the time that you could have done it with. All right. What about the dollar amount? Obviously all these business leaders you were talking to knew what the cost was going to be, or at least they were projecting it. What was the number that you came up with? You're talking in terms of private real estate development specifically in the, in the Inner Harbor area, in the 11 figures, like the $10 billion plus when you're looking at building 29,000 bedrooms. That's a whole lot of real estate. I'm not going to completely admit that. And I'm no real estate expert, but 
it's not out of the question that that could be profit making with lakeside views and that locale right there that could have theoretically been privately financed and paid for the stadiums in many ways along with contributions from the teams that would have used the stadium in a legacy setting possibly including the packers coming back for a game a year and being able to monetize that district just like they do Titletown district Imagine you're a pro football team that has two massive real estate projects that make you money. That would have been a huge advantage. In terms of the games itself, they can be done profit-making in the United States. That's the one country where summer games have made profits over the years, Los Angeles and Atlanta being the case. They were able to overcome the cost overruns that happened and still be profitable. And the key is you've got to manage the budget right. The L.A. budget, when it began, is 5.3% billion for their 2028 games that seems mega massive but when you consider the amount of sponsorships that are involved the amount of television money particularly from nbc and the fact that with the way that we schedule the games theoretically if you sell it out you're making two billion in tickets definitely a profit possibility coming up on wtmj conversations it would be ridiculous former wtmj sports reporter jay sorgi talks about the dollars and cents it would have meant to the city of milwaukee had they won a bid for the olympic games now more of wtmj conversations and i'm libby collins our guest today is jay sorgi who is a longtime sports reporter here at wtmj and his book is called greater than the games during these meetings did anybody sit down and try to figure out what the benefit to milwaukee and the surrounding area would be other than bringing the eyes of the world on it but dollars and cents what kind of income would have come into the community with those games it would be ridiculous now there are some very good theorists and economists who regularly and rightfully say that so often you don't get that kind of bang for your buck when it comes to economic influx with an olympic games because people can spend their money on other ways milwaukee's an outlier in many ways because it is such a small city that it actually becomes an advantage if you talk to people on the East Coast, the West Coast, they talk about this being flyover. They look their nose down on Chicago. You know what they say about Milwaukee. How would you have given them the idea that Milwaukee is the destination? This is where the world should be. Number one, it's the way we would have gone about the games. The IOC right now is begging for cities to host the Summer Olympics. They are absolutely begging for it. They're finding out that cities don't want to do it because of what we've talked about. Budgets, as an example, residential displacement. When you've got 1.5 billion residents, sorry, 1.5 million residents of Beijing displaced out of their homes for the 2008 games, 77,000 in Rio de Janeiro who were kicked out for the 2016 games, people automatically and rightfully think in many ways that's what happens when you host it. The way that we would have gone about the games with a lot of both fiscal and social responsibility, ways that we would have engaged the Milwaukee community, particularly those who are underserved, those who are un unemployed or underemployed, to get involved in terms of construction jobs while also getting education and be able to find job placement after the games, taking care of a, and theoretically being able to use sweat equity from the work that they did to be able to buy a home in the Olympic complex that they now have a home that their down payment is taken care of. And you're eradicating a good chunk of the poverty in the city, which we all know is driving so many of our civic ills, 
back in my hometown. It's those types of stories that the IOC absolutely positively needs and begs for. We had seen no other Olympic Games that had even come close to that type of intentionality with our plans. This is what I think would have sold the IOC on it, on potentially a Games in Milwaukee if we would have had all the dominoes fall right and get to the point to say, we can do this. I'm not saying we ever reached that point. I'm not saying Milwaukee ever could. But what would have sold the world on Milwaukee more than anything else would be the way that we would have done it. And it's essentially saving the Games in a lot of ways, just like Los Angeles did in 1984. And plus, the corporate support in our area within two hours of Milwaukee, you got 37 Fortune 500 companies. Yes, Chicago drives a lot of that bus, but it's sort of the underdog that can and that can absolutely innovate and revolutionize the games. The way we would have done the games would have been the difference maker. Okay, I'm going back to 2009. And even with support from President Obama, people like Oprah Winfrey, Chicago still lost a bid for those games. If Chicago, with that kind of clout and money backing it, couldn't secure it, what makes you think that Milwaukee would be able to? The big reason why they didn't had nothing to do with it being Chicago. It actually had to do with the relationship that the United States Olympic Committee and the International Olympic Committee had at the time. It was very rancorous. It had a lot to do with revenue sharing issues that basically the IOC, they would have had the perfect plan for the perfect games in any American city. It wasn't going to happen. Then once that solved, you actually had four American cities jumping at the 2024 games, Boston, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., and L.A., which eventually got 2028. But it was because of the relationship at the time. So a number of cities could have theoretically done it. And what makes Milwaukee's case, even as we're a, who the heck knows about what Milwaukee is, the details of the plan, the regional plan, the capability to do it without having a lot of white elephants and to be budget reasonable if the ISC is willing to play ball with that, obviously. And that's a whole other issue that needs to be solved. But if those things line up, there could have been a possibility for that. And I think it would have been a difference maker in a lot of ways for the Olympic movement in general. Okay, we can actually do a games better. Our plan, I think, was the biggest thing in itself that would have been the selling point. You mentioned all the people who were involved. And obviously, a lot of thought, a lot of hard work, a lot of conversations went into it. But what happened? What happened was basically my own life situation more than anything else. I had to pull back and pull out. And it's because of family reasons, and it was the right reason. It's something where when you have a dream like this, it overtakes your life in a lot of ways. It really does. And I had to be better present to my wife, our son, and to make them my dream, not the Olympic Games. And that's okay. That's absolutely okay and right, and that's not a problem in any way, shape, or form. But it's something where, okay, at the end, we've got all this knowledge. We've got data. We have all these different innovations that we could share with the world that's what this book is that's what this book is and the other thing too is that even a short time after i pulled out of the possibility of doing it the international olympic committee pivoted and said yeah you know how we always give an olympic game seven years before it happens and we have a huge big process we're not doing that with 2028 this time we're going to give la the 2028 games 11 years beforehand because there were no other cities that wanted it so they scuttled any other American city going after the games for a long time. Still ahead on WTMJ Conversations. We can do more than we think, and she recognized that. Former WTMJ sports reporter Jay Sorgi explains how he was able to convince Olympic champion skater Bonnie Blair to write the foreword to his book, Greater Than the Games.
You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. Welcome back to our conversation with former WTMJ sports reporter Jay Sorge. His book is called Greater Than the Games, and I'm your host, Libby Collins. Could this plan be resurrected? I've mentioned this phrase a bit, the Milwaukee Olympics. Are you crazy, Olympics? But I've mentioned the phrase, a lot of dominoes have to fall. And the dominoes have to include having a place to do any new construction. The Inner Harbor area, the thousand acres right there, was pretty well open at the time in a lot of ways. Now it's being redeveloped, so you don't have that space now. In 25 years, with the 200th birthday of the state of Wisconsin, maybe 2048, if you have the right amount of space that's undeveloped, or you're able to build without displacing individuals, without displacing families, where you can do it ethically and socially, it's not out of the question. The Olympic Games could also change massively in a quarter century. So you have to really gauge what that looks like. But it's not out of the question. And I think what we proved is that there's a different way of doing it. And this could be the key from Milwaukee down the road, maybe, and Wisconsin in general to do a more regional concept. And we're doing that more, partnering with Chicago in a whole lot of different ways and doing more statewide. But there also has to be the political will. And we all know right now that's a challenge. So I wouldn't necessarily advise it, at least in the short term. But down the road, take a look at what the political world is in Wisconsin. Take a look at what the real estate situation is and if there's a place to put things. Let's discern what we need to do for transportation, the only real public dollar investment that might be needed, like a rail within the city. And then reassess and discern. It's not to say we should do a games ever, but it's always worth going through the process as a city to say, you know what, let's think big, let's discern big. And if the answer is no, let's maybe see something else that we could do that can put us on the map, launch our city, and heal our city simultaneously. Jay, your book, Greater Than the Games, Bonnie Blair, the Olympic champion, wrote the forward to it, the introduction to it. First of all, how did you get her to do it? And was she involved in any of these plans and conversations that you're talking about? We didn't directly involve Olympic athletes at first, only because I felt like if you're going to go to the Olympic community or if you're going to go to the politicians in the area and the biggest of the big to possibly pitch this idea, you better know what you're talking about. You better really have every single thing in gear before you to say, we're going out with this. So let's get it right before we go all the way to it. It was actually after an interview that we did for WTMJ where I stopped the tape and talked to her about this for a little bit. And I sent her the information. I sent her the book that I'd already been working on for a while in draft form. And then she pulled it out a few years later on, as a matter of fact. And was eye-opening for her and it was never to say okay let's do the games automatically it's let's just see what we have here we can do more than we think and she recognized that and we talked about it and she was willing to do the forward i'm so thankful to her what a fantastic human being as well as one of the great olympic champions wisconsin has ever had come onto its soil you have such passion for this project. And as you said, it started when you were about eight years old watching the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles. Without you involved, Jay, could this ever become a reality? Is there anybody out there with as much passion for this project as you? Never say never. We have a state of five plus million people back in Wisconsin. We have champions of our city and of our state who live within the area. A lot of incredibly dedicated people. There are people in this community who I think if they looked at it and said, you know what, there's enough here that we could pursue this down the road. I think it absolutely could happen, or at least it could be discerned 
and the good fruits that come of it that are realistic and reasonable from it could be discerned and move forward in some capacity. If you're talking the Olympic Games, the big monster project, you're probably talking about someone who's maybe attending one of our great universities in the state of Wisconsin, whether it's Marquette or the UW system, who might be reading this or studying in a sports marketing class and then being, wait a minute, this isn't impossible. Let's look at this. And then it germinates in their mind and they pursue this down the road. I'm not going to be in a position where I can do it. Plus, I'm going to be in my 70s at that time. I'm going to need to be retired and enjoying life with my wife at that point, hugging grandkids and doing that. But I'm not going to say that I know any one particular individual who wants to take this on, but you never know where it could theoretically take them and the good that it can do. It happens every day back in that hometown that I love so much. It happens every day wherever we live. It's just a matter of not just saying, okay, I can think of a great idea. It's discerning, is it right? And then having the will to go out and do it. It's never impossible. You mentioned Jim McKay and the 84 Olympics, and I'm remembering some of those Olympic games going back into the 80s and the 90s. And one of the taglines was always, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. In thinking back to that and the fact that you spent so many years immersed in the dream of having the Olympics in Milwaukee and throughout southeastern Wisconsin, do you think in your mind this project is more a victory or a defeat at this point in time? At a very personal level, you could argue, yeah, you put four years of your life into actually trying to catalyze this and all that came out of it was a book. Well, nothing ventured, nothing gained, number one. Number two, this is something where there's knowledge gained and that can be shared. That's a victory. There's the possibility of someone looking at this and saying, hey, the Olympics or whatever else, something good is going to happen from this and I want to play a part in making something good for my community. That's a victory. And it's also, I think in a lot of ways, I gained myself in understanding what my role is personally and my calling in the world in who I'm called to be as a human being, faith-wise and everything else. You look at that aspect, it gets you closer to who you're molded into as a human. And I'm a better human being because of it. That's a win. Did we get the Olympic Games? No. Were we supposed to get the Olympic Games during that time? Maybe. Probably not. Are we ever supposed to get the Olympic Games in my hometown? I'm never going to say yes because we never got the full answer. I'm not automatically going to say no because there's so much more that could change about sports and society in the next couple of decades. So if it's a no, so what? There's still too many wins. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. Something that is pain-filled leads us to a chase, to something spectacular beyond what most people would ever think about. Jay Sorgi talks about how a difficult childhood may have led him to write the book, Greater Than the Games. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. Welcome back. I'm Libby Collins. We're talking with Jay Sorgi. You touched on this at the very early part of the interview. And I was moved when I read in your book about the difficulties that your family had when you were young at that time when you started to dream about this project. Do you think, and I'm not a psychologist, but do you think that some of the experiences that you had as a child led you to find solace in the world of imagination and become somewhat of a dreamer? I think that happens, Libby, to so many of us, where something that is pain-filled leads us to a chase, a chase of something spectacular beyond what most people would ever think about. For me, it was like the idea of the games was a canvas upon which I could paint the idea of a better world. For so many others, it's why they enter the world of music or poetry or book writing in general. And they decide that 
you know what, this is my canvas upon which I can see something better than what I went through and what I want to give to the world. We see that every single day in the songs that we listen to on the radio or on Spotify or athletes that drive themselves so hard to be able to take care of the mom that took care of them in a single parent family who did that through poverty and who did so much to just survive and to be so driven to say, you know what, my first paycheck, I'm buying my mom a house. She never, ever has to worry again about that. It's so often that pain that drives us to greatness. And so often it's driven through the imagination of a better way of doing things. It absolutely was for me. And if what I went through can be transformed into something that not only in my case did a bit of healing for me because I found myself as a better human being on the end of it, but if it does something else that's good for individuals or for a community, that's a mega win. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. It's going to turn out really good for your personal journey. Former WTMJ sports reporter Jay Sorgi has an inspirational message on why you should never give up on your personal dreams. Now, more of WTMJ Conversations. I'm Libby Collins. Today's conversation is with Jay Sorgi, who was a sports reporter here on WTMJ for a number of years, and we're talking about his book, Greater Than the Games. Jay, what is the one thing you would like readers of the book Greater Than the Games to walk away with? Don't ever be afraid to dream big, but also understand the state of what you're dreaming about and about the state of the dreamer itself. Take those dual truths as you move forward in your life. It's going to turn out really good for your personal journey. It did for me, even if the answer was a no, which is what it turned into. It's going to move your journey forward in some wonderful ways. Jay Sorgi, it's a wonderful book. Whether or not it's ever going to become a reality, it's still out there in the ether. We'll find out. But thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Libby. We've been talking with Jay Sorgi. I'm sure so many of us remember him as a reporter here at WTMJ for a number of years. And he writes about his dream of bringing an Olympic Games here to Milwaukee in his book, Greater Than the Games. Now, if you joined us late and you want to hear our entire conversation with Jay, go to WTMJ.com and share today's show with your friends and family. You'll also find a partial transcript courtesy of eCourt Reporters. For WTMJ Conversations, I'm Libby Collins.